Welcome to C-Speak, the language of executives, supported by PNC. I'm Jim Hohen, Regional President of PNC Bank in Central Pennsylvania. Each podcast in this series features local and regional C-level executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge-sharing platform provides insights on forward-thinking business approaches that encourage leaders to think differently. We at PNC are proud to support this initiative. Here is your host for C-Speak, Sharon Ryan. Thank you, Jim, and thank you to everyone who is joining us for this episode of C-Speak, the language of executives. Our guest today is Betsy Ham, the CEO of Duck Donuts, a steadily growing franchise brand with over 100 stores around the globe, and it's still growing. It's always fascinating to see how someone's career progression prepares them for the challenges that they will face every day. And in this episode, we'll talk about leadership lessons. Let's jump right in. Hello, Betsy. It's great to see you. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's fascinating to see how someone's career progression prepares them for the challenges that they face right today. And you are certainly the right person in the right place at the right time. In your previous role as Chief Operating Officer of Duck Donuts, you really got into the guts of how to run a franchise-based business, um, that organization day-to-day. And it seems like that would be critical to functioning well as the Chief Chief Executive Officer, the CEO. And now that Duck Donuts is expanding still expanding, and is owned by a private equity company. Your experience working as the marketing director for Hershey Entertainment and Resorts brings you full circle, large business to small business to what's becoming a large business. So first of all, a belated congratulations to being elevated from COO to CEO. That's a tremendous accomplishment. Thank you. And a new CEO of an organization goes from um, not being CEO one day to walking in the door and being CEO, the one. And um, for you, this happened while the company was experiencing uh, a transition of ownership. And that only makes that change even more to step through. Right. So I was hoping that you could take us through what happened and tell us what you experienced while making this transition to being the one. The one, yes. No, that's a that's a great way to put it. And it's, it is a really interesting question. Um, Russ DeGilio, who is the founder and was the original CEO at Duck Donuts, um, we have a great relationship. And he had been very transparent with me, really, I'd say the last two or three years, that there was going to come a day where it was going to be time for him to move on. And he was going to take the company as far as he could. Um, but at some point, we we're going to need uh, cash and from an equity infusion standpoint, as well as just additional outside expertise. So um, that day came probably right before COVID hit, actually in 2020, where he said, I think it's time. I think it's time we have to start going through um, the at least the due diligence of finding the right partner. So um, when we started that, I didn't really know what that meant for me. You know, somebody really big could come in and, and you know bring their own leadership team in or maybe combine this with another brand. Um, so while we were doing the due diligence of interviewing uh, potential equity partners, that was really part Part of it is who's the right fit and who makes sense for our culture and who isn't going to you know completely shake things up. Um, so as we were really narrowing it down and, and in final conversations with Newspring, who's who we ended up going with, they're out of Radnor, Pennsylvania. Um, the conversation came around of well, who's the one, as as you put it, and you know Russ said, well, I thought it, I thought it was you. Isn't that isn't that what you want to do? Are you going to be the one? And I'm like, oh, when you put it that way, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. I do want to be the one. You know, so um, it was certainly 
certainly interesting. And then, of course, having the conversations with New Spring, basically interviewing and getting them on board because um, they usually prefer to come into companies and the CEO stays in place. Um, so Russ, you know, was very adamant about wanting to step down. Luckily, during the last year as we were going through this, and of course, was this was during COVID as well, um, he was very good about putting me up in front and center a lot more than I was previously with our team and with the franchisees because, you know, there are those two kind of audiences that we're dealing with internally of our corporate team, which is about 25 employees, mostly here in central Pennsylvania. We have some in the field throughout the U.S. Um, and then, of course, our franchisees. So it was certainly an interesting transition because from the day to day, I felt I was ready. You know, I was running a lot of the teams and the organization, um, but it's still different when you actually are <laughs> anointed as the person um, really in charge of setting the vision and the strategy and the go-to person. So it, it felt very easy at first from the day to day, but then I really had to take a step back and be like, okay, wait, what is our vision? Where are we trying to go? We are in rapid growth mode, which makes that even a little bit more complicated. And now we have a new partner. So essentially, I have a new boss. I have a board of directors. Um, and just re- realizing how all of those relationships were really going to play out. So we're five months into this. So, so far, so good. I think we are you know, starting to get into a groove and, and understanding how the relationship piece works and, and where we're headed in the future. Now, did your new partners put you through your paces? Yes, yes, yes. I had some interviews, which, you know, it's been a long time <laughs> since I had to actually sit down and kind of go through that. Where, where have you been? What are you doing? Where do you see this going? You know, all of those sort of um, standard interview questions. So, yeah, it was definitely a, quite the process. And and I think it's good. Like, I'm, I'm glad that they did that. So we understood. They understood who I was and, and what I really envisioned for the company and also to understand what they saw and, and where they thought we could head to. Well, some people see themselves as a permanent second in command. And uh, a lot of folks, and I don't want to categorize anyone, but I mean, people are comfortable being second. Absolutely. But you were like, no, I'll be the one. (laughs) Yes. Which is funny because I always say, if you would have told me seven years ago, let's just say, because I've been with Duck Donuts 5, that I would be the CEO of an international donut franchise company, I'd be like, yeah, that's crazy. Where where would that come from? How would that happen? I just, you know, and if I would have looked back, I would have thought, oh, yeah, I'll be a CMO somewhere. That makes sense. That's kind of where my trajectory was headed. Um, So yeah, so to go from thinking maybe down the road, I would be a CMO to I'm a COO of our operations. And then, of course, um, being CEO was not something I ever anticipated. But when the opportunity arose, it's like, oh, my gosh, I absolutely want to do this. Somewhere in there, you became confident enough in your leadership abilities. Yes. Yes, definitely. That's that's excellent. And I think that when it comes to leadership, you're dealing with a complexity that a lot of leaders don't deal with. And that is, um, you're really leading two different constituencies. And one is your team, you said 25, that reports directly to you. And the other constituency is the growing number of franchise owners, which, you know, um, somewhere around 100 right. account for people who own more than one. But what are the differences in how you lead those two yes, different stakeholders? Yes, it's very different. You be, are you a schizophrenic? Uh, sometimes I feel like that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, with the corporate team, it is, I, won't, I don't want to say easy, but easier because you have such constant contact with them. And, and as I mentioned, typically we're mostly in the office, but there's just ongoing meetings. There's ongoing conversation, collaboration. So it's just a lot easier to manage that um, from from a local standpoint, essentially, and, and we all know our roles and responsibilities and where we're headed and how we're going to get there. So I think it just makes the culture a lot more cohesive um, when we're all working for the same thing. So 
certainly has its challenges, but for the most part, it's it's okay. It's easy. And then you have the franchisees. And as you mentioned, we have over 75 franchisees throughout the United States with all varying backgrounds of what they came from. But, you know, they came into this business because they wanted to be a small business owner. So we give them the tools and the resources to succeed. And, you know, they're, they're spread out and they have their own, I, I don't want to say agenda, but they are trying to run their own business. And of course, we are the brand and we are supportive of the system. Um, so our goal is to make sure it's consistent and we're providing them the tools to succeed. But what that looks like and what the franchisees think that looks like varies. Just There's 75 different opinions, essentially. So it is a lot more challenging. Um, I try to interact with them as much as I can, just like I take that with the corporate team. So phone calls. Uh, I'm on, on the road now that, that, that things well things were um, loosening up from a travel standpoint. So just being able to sit down and have those conversations with them uh, makes it feel more real and just, I think, helps to build that relationship and the connectedness. But of course, I can't be on the road every day of the year. That's not the best use of my time. So it is very challenging with everyone just being spread out and really everyone just sort of having their own initiatives and agendas and, and how they think the business should be run. So it, it's, it's way more challenging. <laughs> well, John Maxwell says leadership is influence. Yes, that's very true. Is very that true. How you feel about that? Absolutely. I think influence and, and and I think that happens through relationships is huge. And I stress that with our team because, you know, the last thing is we don't want to be seen as just the brand police that we're always telling a franchisee, no, you can't do this. You have to do that. And of course, there has to be some of that. There has to be rules and regulations. So we're upholding brand standards and the consistency from a customer experience standpoint. But it's it's a lot easier to have those conversations when you have a good relationship with somebody than just picking up the phone and be like, please stop doing this. This isn't allowed. It's it's having those conversations and explaining the why, uh, I think, makes it a lot easier for sure. And catching people doing things right. Yes. Yes. And that really helps. Absolutely. And it's so funny you say that because it dawned on me a couple months ago that we don't, as a, as a corporate team, do a good job doing that to our franchisees. I think within our own corporate team, we did great to each other, you know, shout outs and recognition, but we didn't, we weren't doing a good job of saying that to our franchisees. So, you know, I've tried to be a lot more conscious of that, that I, if I see somebody doing something on, you know, say Facebook or there's an event occurring, you know, to shoot them a text, an email, pick up the phone and, and having our team members do that too, because it does mean a lot when you are um, encouraging them to continue the good stuff and saying, hey, I see you, like, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being an awesome franchisee. I think that goes a long way. Yeah, it builds out a bo- emotional bank account. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, so tremendous. And one of the things is, when you talk about those relationships, as you're growing, you have to keep developing yes. those relationships because you're you're getting to know people definitely constantly, and, and then we keep adding to them. So then that really complicates it. You know, there's some franchisees who started in the system right around the same time I did, and I think they're still the ones who'll pick up the phone and call me very quickly because I've known them for five years, and right. they started when I did. And you know, every month essentially we're adding new franchisees to the mix, and it's just new personalities, and and even trying to get them to connect amongst themselves. You know, that's the benefit of being part of a system is oh, they can a great idea. utilize each other mm-hmm. for, hey, how does this work for you? You know, best practices and and that camaraderie that comes along with being a franchisee. Yeah. And so I just want to say congratulations on the growth. I Thank mean, it's you. pretty amazing. It's got its challenges. It's not easy to do. No. Growth <laughs> is painful, uh, especially when you factor the last year and a half, <laughs> but especially when you factor in yeah, COVID nineteen and a uh, uh, war for talent, yes, um, labor, supply chain, yes. construction, all those fun things. Yeah, and you just sort of touched on this with so many voices and opinions among the franchise owners. It seems like the change management process could get bogged down. Yes, and uh, so, but 
But I, when I look at what you're doing at Duck Donuts, you're able to move quickly, especially with COVID. Yes. And uh, so what is your process for driving innovation and change? How, how is it so successful? I, you know, I think part of it is because we are small still, so we have that ability to be more nimble. But, you know, I'm a big fan of strategy, structure, people, process. You know, we have to start of what are we trying to do? How are we going to do it? Making sure the right people are, are in those roles to have that occur. Um, and then we have the ability to move forward. And before we can move forward, I think from an innovation standpoint, I find listening to be one of the most important pieces. And, you know, in my situation, that means listening to our corporate team, listening to our franchisees, of course, industry trends, you know, what's happening from a technology a convenience standpoint, uh, looking at the data that we have. So it's taking all of those elements and and sitting back and then determining what's the best way to, to grow. Um, we bring our franchisees along really in every step of the way from an innovation standpoint. So we have a franchise advisory council and one of the focuses of the committee is innovation. So, of course, a lot of that's around product innovation and, and tech convenience and from a technology standpoint as well. So having them be part of that process so they're not coming in, they're not being brought in in the 11th hour and they're like, wait, why are you trying to solve this problem? This wasn't even an issue. Um, so I think it's really important to have them part of that process because they're the ones living and breathing it every day. And just to help everybody understand, you're not trying to build consensus around whether to open at 8 or 8.30. Correct. I mean, <laughs> You're talking about product, product. innovation and yes. delivery yes. innovations. Yep. Technology, you know, we're rolling out some kiosks in store from a customer having the ability to go in to place their order on a kiosk instead of a person. So, of course, especially with the labor challenges we're running to, hopefully that will help alleviate some of that. So even understanding from the franchisee, I mean, they're the ones in the store every day dealing with those challenges for them to be able to come and say, hey, this is an issue. How do we do this? Um, and from a product innovation standpoint, of course, everybody has great ideas mm. of, of the new donut flavor milkshake flavor or whatever it is. Um, so it's really taking all that and testing it. We test everything before we roll it out nationally um, and then going from there. It just sounds like a lot of relationship It's building. a lot of relationships. <laughs> yes. And the word influencer, right, is so, so important. Yeah. And I think, if, I mean, they know you have their best interests yes. at heart. Yes. Sometimes I need to be reminded of that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to remind them we only make money if you guys make money. So we're trying to do what we think is best. And, you know, that's really the approach from our corporate team is from what's best for the brand, what's best for the system. And as a franchisee, I, I get it. It's very easy sometimes to only see what you think is best for your for your location or for your shop. Um, it's hard to see past that. Uh, so we do have to certainly have those conversations of, look, we're doing what we think is best for the brand mm -hmm. as a whole. And at the end of the day, yeah, we want you guys to be insanely successful. We want you to make a lot of money because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that only makes us successful. So right. it all ties together. And it sounds like trust. Oh, yes. Yes. I think trust, um, respect, and accountability are like the big words that have been sort of buzzwords, I think, for me, but have been really um, using them a lot this year, especially with the franchisees. And, and we can talk about it, but we have to do it. So that's the other piece of that, too, is talking about trust and respect and accountability is great, but let's make sure our actions are actually backing that up as well. A good idea is only good if you can execute right, it, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure some of the folks listening would want to know what you're reading 
or oh, uh, something yes. that you would, some kind of a thing that if you were, if, if they wanted to know what they should read from your recommendation, what would you, oh, so I know there's books. a lot. Yeah, but. there's a lot. So one that I, I read years ago, but I still literally pull out and look through is uh, Good to Great. So it's funny, I read that years ago, and now that's where I feel we're at. You know, Duck Donuts is good, but we need to be great. Um, so I have been looking at that book again, even though I had read it years ago. Um, I just read a book about creating a culture of accountability, which was very textbook, but I think also had a lot of uh, little key takeaways. Um, and one thing that was very different, but has actually been what we're doing from a strategic planning standpoint is traction. So traction is really written for like the entrepreneur, small business, but it really walks you through how to create your strategy, how to evaluate your team, and just all those tools and resources. And what I loved about it is it's not overwhelming. It's very tangible. It's very doable. Um, so we have been implementing that. We started that with our strategic planning for 2022. And I you know, kind of keep going back to looking at certain chapters of that book. But um, that's been a very useful book that is very actionable. And, you know, read it one month and we started planning the next one. So right. it's applying been, knowledge. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. is awesome. They say knowledge is information, but it's not. It's applied. Very true. Information is knowledge. So, yeah, I think it's really cool. And you had mentioned something. There's one other thing I wanted to ask you. Um, you had said about culture. And how... Describe the culture at Duck Donuts. Sure. So, you know, our culture, I think, is really based on our vision, which is serving a warm, edible ring of happiness around the globe. Um, so that's what we're trying to accomplish. And then we do take our core values very seriously. So we have six core values from delight, innovation, transparency, community, um, family. And, of course, I'll forget the sixth one off the top of my head when I'm saying them. Um, but we take those seriously. And, you know, it's great to, as we mentioned, sort of like the knowledge piece, it's great to have those on a wall and say that these are our core values. Um, but we really do try to live them. So even from a hiring standpoint, taking that into consideration who we're hiring for our team or our franchisees, you know, when when somebody wants to ha open a franchise, it's an interview process both ways. You know, they're interviewing us to see if this is the brand or the business that they want to go into. And we're interviewing them to see if they're a good fit within the organization. So um, I think it's every step from when you're hiring somebody to the day to day. And it, and it goes back to what we talked about before is it's, it's great to have them on the walls. It's great to say that you have it, um, but I think it's every relationship and interaction that you have within your community or within your company um, that really defines your culture. And then do you try to drive that into the franchise owners yes. organizations? Yes, which is definitely harder. Um, so we have been trying to have maybe some more training programs around that or awarding franchisee employees. Um, so we created a stupendic award and then we we value one of the, or we have a highlight one of the core values each month. Um, so it's delight. So then they can submit to one of their employees who delighted guests, of course, in the store. And then they get that sort of national recognition and recognition from our office, which I think goes a long way. Um, but then it helps to reinforce those core values. So I think that's an opportunity within our system where we're trying to do better to instill those core values that they aren't just on the wall. Um, so trying to activate them more is certainly one of, an opportunity. And, and I think it'll go a long way with our franchisees and just strengthening our culture. And at the end of the day, then strengthening our brand. I'm sitting here and I want a stupend up award. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not going to get one of those. <laughs> well, the last question I have for you today is, why do you show up for work every day? That's a great question. Why do I? Because some days it's hard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, I think I've always been very driven. And I think back to even when I was, before I was even 16, all I wanted to do was have a job. Like I wanted to work. I've always enjoyed working. Um, but I think as, I, as I've as i grown in my career, I realize what has, I say I'm driven, but like for what, I guess. And I think as I reflect on that, it's really to to contribute and to influence and to make something better. So, you know, even in entry-level marketing jobs,
labs, I still had that ability to feel like I was making an impact on on something that was happening and helping to drive people to the destination of Hershey. So that's what has always, I think, driven me to why I show up to work every day. And now it's at a whole new level. You know, I have this once in a lifetime, I think, opportunity to take this amazing brand and really accelerate the growth. And what's great is it isn't just great for our corporate team, but it's supporting all these franchisees and their vision of being small business owners um, and taking donuts to their hometown. So I just I get really excited about that challenge and that opportunity. I'm probably a little competitive. So (laughs) I think it just ties together of, you know, just wanting to show up and do amazing things each day. That's terrific. I have no doubt that you're changing lives, oh. especially uh, with people who get to start their own yeah, business. Absolutely. And how the ripple effect absolutely. is amazing. So thanks for being here with us, Betsy. Thank it's you. Been thanks a for having me. Great pleasure. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us for this episode of C Speak, the language of executives, supported by PNC. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find it as well as other episodes at WITF.org slash C Speak. Until next time, I'm Sharon Ryan. Have a productive day.